Hi there, I'm David Murray from davidallamurray.com. Today I'm having a group chat with two public speaking experts, Adam Wells and Stephen R. Marriott. Adam is a retirement life planner and transition coach and speaks regularly to large audiences both in the UK and internationally. Stephen is a speaker and author of the Reluctant Pilgrim novels, who uses public speaking to spread the word about his books. They both talk about a keynote speech which Stephen is preparing for and at this point is the biggest speech of his life. They share their insight into how you would go about preparing for the biggest speech of your life. If you read the podcast notes, you will see that I have added a link which will give you access to download your free speech preparation checklist. So do check out the show notes and download your free copy today. And if you check out my website, you will also find details of my next live workshops and events and lots of tools and techniques to help you to communicate with confidence. And you can sign up to my newsletter. If you like the podcast, if I can invite you to please subscribe and leave a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. This means it will help the podcast reach others who might find it useful. Thanks a lot for listening. Hey there, you're listening to the David Murray Public Speaking Podcast. To find out more, you can visit me at davidallamurray.com. Hello, welcome to the show. Today, I'm joined by two very special guests. Following on from my interview with Stephen R. Marriott, I'm now joined by both Stephen and Adam Wells. Hello, how are you? Hi, David. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm doing very well as well. Thank you. And, um, well, with Adam here in the studio, it's going to be um, a, a good little segment, I think. Definitely. Thank you. Now, some of the listeners will remember that I interviewed Adam a few weeks ago and we were lucky enough to have him join us in the studio today. So, Adam, if you're happy to, and you, Stephen, what I'd like to talk about is how do public speakers prepare for the biggest speech of their life? Is that OK? Sure, absolutely. Goodbye, me. Very, very happy to. David. Thank you. Now, Stephen, I know that you've got a speech coming up shortly, haven't you? Yes, you're absolutely right. I've got um, a big speech coming up at a place called the Lecture Club. It's gonna, I'm going to be speaking for, for around an hour, and the title of my speech is called How Going for a Long Walk Changed My Life. Absolutely fantastic. And the reason why we've got Adam here today was because he happened to walk into the studio, so we thought we'd grab him and not let him go until we get <laughs> some words of wisdom from you. And I think it's pretty good because we know that Steve's preparing for the biggest speech of his life, and I know that you've delivered numerous speeches, so one week it'll be the biggest speech of your life, and then you've had, had to do next week another biggest speech of your life. So can I ask you a question? Sure, absolutely. If you were Steve... How would you prepare for that biggest speech of his life? Gosh, I'm all ears for this one. Wow, brilliant question, David. Um, I think I, I always start off by looking at who, who is my audience, who's in my audience, what is the makeup of my audience? Um, because then when I, I know my audience, I can begin to think about how I'm going to sort of craft that speech and, and see who I, I can really truly connect with. So that, that's the first yeah. thing I would look at. Um, the second thing I would do is um, a speech 
is important. To, it's, a, it's important to decide what your speech is going to actually do. So is it to inspire? Is it to entertain, to persuade or to educate? So I'll, I'll be thinking around what's my message in that speech. And then I would, the third thing I would do is, OK, what's the most powerful thing of all? It, I think it is, you know, personal stories. Yeah. How could I craft my speech from my own personal story sort of perspective with those other elements in mind that's really good and i know Stephen, you're particularly focused around the stories in your speeches I know, particularly yes. as your work as an author so perhaps you can tell us how you've gone about preparing it maybe your top three things that you've done to prepare well funny it's not too dis i wouldn't have said it so as eloquently as adam there but it's not too dissimilar um to to those points um that he raised. I think what I would I would highlight um, within that structure of preparing the story is the act, the bit that I always find more difficult, and um, maybe it's because I've got a bit of a thick head. It's actually getting the words in, into my head. I find once they're in there, they tend to stay, but it just takes a long time to get them in there. So really, for the, a speech which is around forty-five minutes with a fifteen-minute sort of Q and A in there. Um, I've had to break this speech down into into different segments, and so I've I've whilst there are, there, there's it's kind of stories within stories, there's stories within within the speech, yeah. and the people I encountered um, on this long pilgrimage I went to the I went on the Camino de Santiago and their stories, I've tried to sort of filter it down into in terms of um, this speech has a, a beginning, a middle, end, and then between the between the the beginning and the middle, and the and the middle and the end. What are the key? Uh, what are the key points within there? So I haven't tried to learn the speech all in one go. I've learned yeah. different parts of that, and a, and a little bit like a jigsaw. I'm now at the stage where I'm just putting them back together. That's cool. Question for you, Adam: A speech of that length, is it or is it not okay to use small notes? What would your view be on that? Um, my, well, my preference is is um, having sort of notes in your hand um, is a is a distraction for the audience. Yes. So you're, you're putting something between yourself and the audience. So so if you if you haven't memorised it, then I, I think it's more than fine to have small cards and just have a couple of bullet points uh, on the cards. But I think it's equally important to remember if you're telling a personal story, um, the likelihood is you're not going to forget the story. You know, it's being able to trust in yourself that that whatever comes out. When you're speaking, you're, you know, you're, you're saying your speech, it's going to be okay in the moment because it's a story that's come from the heart. Yes, yes. Um, and, in, and public speaking is simply about trust. Um, we're never going to get it 100% to, what you, to the script that you've written out. But, and the audience isn't going to know where you sort of go a bit astray either. So it's just allow what comes out it's going to be okay it's funny you, you should say that because i i have been trying my best to learn it um learn the speech word by word i know i'm not going to remember it word by word but just before we recorded this show oh, oh, david was telling me about his tedx um speech that that he did and he said whilst he had david you said to me whilst you had learned that speech word for word yes you um Kind of felt quite relaxed that you would go slightly off piste yes. um, when you w w in the TEDx mm. event, and, and it's interesting. The reason I, I bring this up now, Adam, is saying is saying that I think you have a different voice to your to your written voice, and I think the true you will be allowed to come out when you when you don't stick to script. And so, 
I'm trying to be sort of more relaxed about that. Obviously, there's some there's some markers I want to hit in, in that speech with some phrases and particular points which will be very useful um, for the clarity of that speech. But I'm, I'm learning to get used to the idea of not having to sort of stick to the speech word for word. That's great advice for everybody. I think there's big advice is know your topic. If it's a personal story, you do know that. Of course, you want to phrase things in a certain way that builds a connection to the listener and actually makes it meaningful for you but Adam your advice is don't be too hung up on getting it word for word correct uh, yeah not to be too hung up getting it word for word but also recognizing that you know practice makes perfect so giving yourself plenty of time to to write a speech to actually rehearse the speech to go and walk around the park getting it in your head or whichever way you find best um 90 preparation 10 execution that's what I think is what delivers a great speech. Well, you'll be glad to know, um, Adam, that this is a bit of advice you've given to me in the past about sort of going for a walk in the park and, and, and just walking with the speech. I've been, I've been trying that this week, so hopefully that pays off. Thank you. It's an absolute honour to have two very experienced public speakers in the studio today. So what I'd like to do is something a little bit different. I'd like to do some quick-fire questions, maybe three or four, to see... Whether you agree or disagree on certain techniques in public speaking, is that okay? It's fine by me, David. No problem at all. No problem, David. Thank you very much. Right, so I'll ask Steve first this question and Adam if you can answer second. I'm going to talk about the power of the pause. So I hear all the time you should pause at the beginning of the speech or you shouldn't pause at the beginning of the speech. Now, I know that people are different and people have different styles and particularly what you do want to do is have moments where you do pause in your speech to allow the listener to understand and comprehend and picture what you're saying. Should you pause before you start talking when you enter the stage? One, but one you shouldn't, ten you definitely should. Where are you on one to ten? Good question. I would say eight. Eight. And because um, I haven't used that myself, but I've seen people use it very effectively and I think that just, just shows the confidence of the speaker when they do that. Great, thank you. And Adam? Um, I would say... Sit in the, I'm going to sit on the fence on this and say five because I think it depends on the circumstances. Um, if you're, you know, if you're nervous, then rather than ramble, jump in and ramble in your speech. Take the time to pause at the beginning to gather yourself and also to settle the audience. But if your speech demands some form of attention grabbing, and you want to do that right at the beginning, then I don't think there's necessarily a need to, to pause. It all depends on your speech. Thank you. Right. Thanks. It's brilliant, actually. So question number two. Question number two. Adam, if you can answer first, please. OK. When you're preparing a speech and when you're delivering a speech, who's the most important person in the room? Is it you or is it the listener? It's the audience member. That's 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 the most important person always. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Stephen? Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with Adam. Um, yeah, that, that, that people are, here, are there to hear you speak, so they have to be the, the most important people. Brilliant, thank you. So number three, question number three. What is the biggest mistake you can make or anybody could make as a public speaker? Is there one? Adam. Yes, I think the biggest mistake is the lack of preparation in advance. It just shows a lack of respect for, for the audience. Um, simply that, you think you know better. Thank you. Stephen? Big mis biggest mistakes, um, well, 
I endorse what Adam said. Uh, I've heard apparently Arnold Schwarzenegger used to practice his speeches for about when he was a, a governor in, in California 60 times or so before he had to deliver a speech. I guess one of the biggest mistakes is, is, is letting nerves um, take over. And, and for me, when that happens, I tend to ramble and speak too fast. And so I would, just referring back to one of the questions about a pause, this is when a pause is important, when you realise that you need to slow down a gear, um, slow down, take a pause, and yeah, don't, don't, be, don't speak too fast. Great. So question number four, my final one is a bit of a fun one. We've all heard many speeches before. We've all delivered many talks, many presentations. Can you think of one technique that's been overused? So something that people use all the time, the listener and everybody else is aware of it, and you think, actually, we might not want to incorporate that always in our speeches. Stephen? Sure. Um, I'm going to slightly change that question round and say that, you know, when you go on a public speaking course, you learn some amazing um, techniques and experiences. And um, I've mentioned um, Toastmasters, which took me, has been taking me through that journey. But I think the the most important thing is also always learn to be yourself and and, and don't let the structure and these techniques overrule your personality. I think, was was it Picasso who said, learn the rules and then break them like an artist? Yeah, here, here. And Adam? Yes, no, I was going to reiterate what Steve was going to say there, where you can, you know, I think the key thing is for you to be yourself and not to, say, fall into the trap of, of, of doing what people sort of tell you, tell you how you should public speak, publicly speak, you should just be yourself. And if that means you gesticulate a bit, then gesticulate a bit. And I agree. And you could probably argue that we're talking about public speaking here we're talking about the techniques that we use but what we i think what we're saying is is that be aware of them learn them and actually then become flexible enough in your speeches to do it differently am i right there guys yeah totally yeah, i agree totally yeah do. absolutely thank you very much right i think we've come coming towards the end of the interview now guys and i absolutely appreciate you being down here today and particularly adam because we've just literally uh, jumped you out in the My corridor pleasure. there and dragged you into the studio. So, Stephen, what's next for Stephen R. Marriott? Uh, well, I've got this uh, speech coming up, which um, we've talked about on the 11th of September in London, um, a venue called The Lecture Club. So that's the next big thing. And then thereafter, my uh, second book's coming out. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about um, how the, the, the year's going to pan out. Very exciting, Steve. And Adam Wells, what's next for Adam Wells? Um, well, I'm working with my on my retirement. Uh, I'm putting together an online program covering my uh, sort of Camino and the rites of passage into retirement. So I'm just continuing to work on that. Not so. your retirement, though, because I, no. I see you working very hard on a quite regular basis. Oh, exactly. No, certainly not. No, that's a little way off for me. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> Thankfully. Right. So, Stephen, where can people find you if they want to find out more? Um, yep. Best to check out my website, which is, and I'm going to, you know, slow this down now. Um, incorporate that technique of taking a pause stephenrmarriott.com thank you and adam where can they find you um it, well my website's www.discoverthecamino.com thank you very much stephen and adam for a wonderful interview thanks everybody for listening speak to you next week Pleasure. thank you thank you david if you'd like to find out more you can visit me at davidalamari.com. <laughs>